You're listening to the ConsumerFi Podcast, powered by Norridge, loan software that accelerates change. Well, everybody, welcome back to the ConsumerFi Podcast. I'm excited. This is 2022. This is our first podcast that we're that we're burning for the year, and a real pleasure to have a, an old colleague and Glenn. Can I even call you a friend? I think yeah. I can call. You. I think we've broken bread just you and me for fun enough we times. We definitely to count. have. So yes, please do so. So our guest today is Glenn Munro. He is a co-founder and president of Lender Compliance Technologies. We're going to get into a little bit about what lender compliance technologies is and 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 the the gap that it's filling in the industry but maybe to start glenn you know tell us a little bit about your background i know but you know the folks on the on the podcast may not know you you have a a, a wealth of experience and then you know this kind of entrepreneurship kind of kicked in here and wanted to talk a little bit about maybe what made you go crazy and try entrepreneurship? <laughs> yeah, no, well, thank, thanks for the interest. Yeah, you know, as, uh, I'm a, a lender by trade, obviously. I've been around doing that lending uh, in that lending space for, gosh, 30-something years. And then transitioned really to fintech a few years ago. I had invested even earlier than that, but wasn't that close to the business, but I had invested in DeFi solutions and the first or early round and uh, took a real interest in, in, in the fintech space and then ultimately went to work for, for DeFi solutions for a couple of years and, and became very familiar with the technology for the options and alternatives that were in the space. So, you know, really enjoyed it and, and felt like this was a good place for me. And so I sort of transitioned into that. I did some consulting for some of the fintechs at that point, and then really had an opportunity to start a lender compliance technologies, which is a, a mouthful, right? We actually, our acronym is LCT. It's a lot easier to go with LCT. And, and I was fortunate at that point, I, I ran into some folks that I had worked with on a, on a project basis years ago at a rental car company and really had done a, a very nice body of work, fairly large scope in terms of e-commerce platform and selling direct to consumers. And that's where I ran into these folks that were founders, they were, they were software entrepreneurs, they were successful, and they had really focused on the auto space. And you know, I had had a lot of conversations with financial institutions as to, you know, what 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 is needed in the industry from a compliance standpoint, because they had a clear understanding that in a lot of cases, compliance problems or problems or, or compliance issues are very manually driven, right? And and so, you know, what can we do? How can we leverage our expertise in the software space and create innovations? And really, that. That was the genesis for lender compliance technology. So, so they got with me over about two, a little over two years ago at that point and said, hey, we've got an idea. Um, we've been approached by banks, uh, one in particular, that wanted to partner with us and create, we believe there's a, a void in the market for a complete solution. And so we would like to go forward with that. And so I said, you know what, sign me up for that. And that's sort of really uh, the beginning of our process. And essentially, it, it, it drove our first 
product, which now is in production. It's been in front of many, many lenders at this point. The reception is fabulous. And really the reason that we're getting such a strong reception is because it is the first and only end-to-end platform associated with cancellation and obtaining refund quotes for voluntary protection products, or what we all know um, for years being in the industry is aftermarket products. So those aftermarket products, obviously, is gap, service contracts, tire and wheel, credit life, those kind of rebatable products. And of course, it's, you know, these cancellations are applicable to, you know, for several scenarios. One would be early payoffs for gap, right? There, there is unearned portion of premium that needs to be allocated back to the consumer. Uh, also for total losses, repossessions, charge-offs. So all those products need to be canceled. And by and large, it falls under the lender's purview to, to make sure that those things have happened. Yeah. And so um, we have created refund control, which is an instance that lenders utilize to cancel and to obtain refund quotes. And what, what what's really interesting about it is we have out of the box, a very detailed workflow. So we've we've gone to, um, we've been fortunate to be able to work with people that now are LCP and develop based upon their subject matter expertise, working with lenders and working with providers to come up with a very out of the box, detailed workflow, which includes all kinds of cues, which also provides very robust uh, reporting, dashboards, and also one of the primary differentiators of LCT and our refund control is that we have developed for configurability, right? So as opposed to if you're a lender and you want something special and you say, okay, do you want custom development? That's typically the process, right? And what's the problem with that? So from a, from a perspective is one, it's very expensive and two, it's time consuming. We have developed a platform that has what we refer to as lender preferences, and that's our configuration. So we use, for lack of a better term, we use knobs and switches that the lender can, can simply make those on the fly, make those changes if they just decide to do so, to changes. So those things would be like, oh, as a lender, do you want certain dealers to utilize dealer reserve? Do you want to send your cancellations in an automated fashion the minute they're ready to go? Or do you want to look at each one? There's 30 different knobs or switches that you can use that doesn't require custom development. So we think that, you know, is, is a differentiator within, within the market. And, mm-hmm. and really, because this platform is so comprehensive, it provides very strong tracking and monitoring, which is what the regulators are looking for. In a lot of cases, lenders are using spreadsheets, you know, to come up and determine what is owed to to a particular customer, whether it be a deficiency or whether it be an early payoff. And what we've created is this transparency. So up to the moment, you'll know exactly where that account is. And in fact, if you go through an examination through one of the regulatory concerns, you'll be able to actually give them temporary credentials and they can look at the, the individual accounts on their own. So we think that, you know, there's, you know, very strong, compelling model that, that the lenders are going to, to want or need, particularly based upon, you know, the prevailing wins associated with the regulatory issues. Yeah, and we've seen regulators back, you know, back this at the at the federal level and at the state level as well. 
Glenn. So this is a situation, you know, it's kind of reminds me a little bit. We had, we had a gentleman from an Alaska uh, credit union on talking about the, the soldiers and sailors or what's now called the SCRA. It's incumbent upon the lender to figure things out, to, to grab the data, figure out the state of situation. And that's really my understanding with the cancelables. It's kind of of the same milk. So if I paid off a car and I paid it off, I still have half my term left on my cancelables and I am entitled to a 50% rebate, for example, just to keep the numbers nice and round. And I have gap and I have Laha, right? So I have, I have gap in health and disability. Well, generally speaking, when lenders get that payoff or, or deal with it, like what is the amount of time or the time period that, that we generally target to say, you have to make sure that the customer gets their refund or their rebate? Yeah. Is it a time issue or? Yeah. Yeah, there, there can be, dependent upon state re- regulations, right? So, can you know, if you want to think 30 to 60 days, that's a good place to be. But obviously, there's some efficiencies. You want to do this as quickly as possible. That's what the regulators are looking for us to do, right, as lenders. And so, we've got a strong process in to support that. We can, you know, the minute that some sort of event occurs, and I've defined what those were, right, we can immediately send those cancellations. Those cancellations, we call them notifications. They'll, they will be forms that are sent one to the dealer and also to the provider. And there's about 600 different providers that are out in, in the market mm-hmm. at this point. The idea really is to create those efficiencies. How quickly can we get those products canceled and how can we get that money at, back to the consumer as quickly as possible and made them whole? Okay. So when we when we think about from LCP our perspective, you know, there and, and it runs the gamut from lenders in terms of their perspective on on how to notify and what the expectations are from a regulatory standpoint for them to respond. Some just send cancellation. Others, you know, the, in a lot of cases, the regulators are looking, particularly in the banks, are looking or credit unions are looking for the lenders to verify the amount of the refund quotes, right? Because sending a letter out and getting $1 back doesn't necessarily mean you validate the fact that it's it's the right amount that yeah. the consumer should be applied to it. So we have that as well. It's a We call it our service bureau, and that is our verification process where we go out to each and every one of those providers to ensure that we obtain the actual to the dollar amount refund quote that is due back to the consumer. If I'm riding dirty and I don't have this, my house in order with this type of stuff, generally speaking, I mean, or even you might have specifics, like what is the risk that I'm taking as a lender? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting again, you know, there's, so if you look at this from a gap perspective, there's arguably 12 or 13 states that currently have some sort of regulation right in place. You'll see there it seems to be based upon prevailing winds again that other states are going to join. You know, you've seen the big settlements that have occurred, right? So you know, I don't think as a lender you want to put yourself in that position. Um, I can tell you, you know, just specifically, we're hearing state of California. They are they've subpoenaed some of the providers, possibly the lenders at this point, not for criminal activity, but they're looking for information so that they're digging to determine, is there a process in place to ensure that the consumers are getting them whole in terms of what is due for them on these cancelable products? So, you know, it's out there. I would expect 
particularly because of the current administration, you know, we're going to see more regulation than less. It seems to be a bit of a hot button. And, you know, we so we think we're our timing is good and, you know, we can provide a great solution that will essentially help the lenders structure that process out of the box and provide that transparency. That's really been our goal from day one. You know, the, the power of this, you know, hey, I'm just searching around. I want information. I've got an information request or subpoena obviously raises your, your, your ears a little bit, but I'm, I'm thinking back to the starter interrupt device. A lot of people have experience with starter interrupt device and the GPS. For my dollar, it was when Congress was sending out information requests, you know, requests for information from a number of lenders about their use of the starter interrupt device. And what did that do? It, 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 I'm talking out of school. I don't have the numbers here, but I can tell you for, for my company and for many of the others that I was dealing with, it shut it down. It was, Hey, we're not using the device anymore. We're not installing it on the vehicle anymore. And what, what we did was we got really clear and specific about if, when, why, where, what constitute an acceptable issue for us to shut down the vehicle. And I tracked the numbers and Glenn, eight times out of 10, it was a police assist. The vehicle had been stolen and they wanted help finding the vehicle with with the police on the other end of the line. You know, these subpoenas or information requests, they can have really big impacts. You know, the other one that I'll throw out is the FDIC. Director of the CFPB has a seat on the FDIC, started flexing some muscles, ended up the chairman got been out of shape about it. The chairman of the FDIC, she says, there's a longstanding situation here where we define our agenda. We define where we're going to look for information and Chopra and some of his political allies that are on the FDIC really put the screws to her and played some dirty pool. She wrote a, an op-ed. You can read it in the, in the uh, wall street journal. <laughs> She's gone. The composition of the, 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 of, of a lot of these, you know, FTC, FDIC, they make them odd numbered and they try to make sure that there's a certain number of one party or another. And, and I don't know if that's the case with FDIC, but you can see by Chopra asking for more information and look, you're asked, you say, oh, I'm just asking questions. There is a direction, generally speaking, when you're subpoenaing people, there's something you're looking for. CFPB is known for doing a little bit of this. Uh, yeah, we heard you got a complaint. You know, we're just going to check out everything. Right. Right. And then and then you're kind of hanging yourself with all the information you provide. But yeah, this kind of this kind of this kind of Q&A, this kind of in it's indicative of, hey, you know, you better get your house in order. That's that's how I interpret a lot of this. Yeah. And it and and particularly related to the voluntary protection products, you know, it's not really a new concept being scrutinized. Right. I, I can remember six or seven years ago when I was managing a fairly large auto lease portfolio and went through two different very very detailed examinations and they were they were point on in terms of addressing the aftermarket product so that was sort of the beginning of the process right mm-hmm. but it, it it goes it goes back as far as that point in time that they've been looking at this and considering it and you know i would say in particular there there's a fairly it's a very profitable avenue for dealers, right? And it's grown over time. And I think by and large, just because of that, it's going to attract a certain amount of scrutiny from the regulatory agencies as well. So, you know, I spent a lot of time in front of the OCC and the Fed and, and you know, it, it goes back that far um, as part of their examination process. So it, it, I don't see it going away. And quite frankly, based upon what we're seeing, a lot of these states, you know, 
California would be a good example. You know, they're they're in contact with the AGs from Colorado and other states that have been pretty proactive in in pursuing and ensuring that the consumers get what's due for them on these products. Yeah. And consumer harm and compliance, and then don't discount the potential for some kind of protected class type, right? Thing that says, look, you know, military's case in point. Military is, for all intents and purposes, a protected class. And, and there are certain things you want to do to provide those SCRA provisions, but you really don't want to ask if somebody's military when they're applying or if they're a reservist or something, because it could be construed that you're using that as a way to discriminate against them. Right. So then you have to figure out how you're going to you're going to kind of navigate through that. So then you need to check everybody with the SERA database. There's so many things like this that are just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of inefficient in a way in how the the regulators will approach it. I, I do agree. Look, if I'll be the first to, to make the call, but I think people forget. I remember we had customers when I was a lender, we had customers that didn't even remember that they had bought a service contract and then calling us to say, Hey, my car won't start. And the I think the transmission's done. You got a service contract. Just call this company. Call them. They, they'll they'll take care of it for you. Yeah, and you know, I've spent a lot of time, obviously, speaking about you know our our own solution. But in reality, you know, as a lender, I think just it's prudent to be buttoned up, right? Make yeah. sure that you've you've covered all the bases. Make sure that you're confident that your process is going to withstand scrutiny. And and have it in place. And and I you know my recommendation just generally is. This is the year to do that as as a lender. So let's say I say, okay, you know, I've got, I'm a lender, I've got a portfolio and I think, man, you know, I just kind of, I record a little bit of whether they have a service contract or something. Maybe I just do service contracts. I record it in my system, my loan management system, yep. or my loan origination system at the time of funding. I have the data, right? I have it internal and right. I'm just using whatever internal controls to kind of to manage that, but I'm interested, right? I want to, I want to put another layer here to automate it and foolproof it, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a perfect case in point. I had, you know, a couple TCPA violation type scares where we had people that said they didn't want to be called anymore. And we recorded in the notes and then we made a couple call attempts. So it wasn't killing me. It's, it's, you know, it's called a hundred bucks per, per violation. There was only a handful of them, but it just looked bad. It looked like my control, my control effectiveness was obviously very low. I was really relying on my collectors to update the system and to actually review notes before they make a call. Having a little bit better control in place. If if I was a lender, I said, yeah, I'm interested. You know what? What do I need to do? How does it work? Does it integrate with my loan management system? Do I have as a standalone? Am I passing files? Like, what does it kind of look like when I have this system in place? Yeah, great, great question. So, so you know, and and one of the things where we think that again we're sort of a differentiator in the market is the technology has changed, right? So, you know, being an old guy that's been in this business for way too long, and I've worked on the origination side and on the servicing side, those are fairly big endeavors to take on. We're an ancillary platform, very, very simplistic, and, and quite frankly, I've, I've sort of walked some of you know my my friends that are running auto finance divisions. And I've told them, you know, and, and one of them in particular, I remember said to him, I said, this is a pretty simple process. I'm going to, I'll explain to you how the technology has, has changed. And I explained to him and, and how simplistic it could be. And he said, you know, Glenn, I've known you for a long time. I like you, but I don't believe one word of it. Right. <laughs> but, but, but let me explain how it works. So, so, and I'll, and I'll digress for a second, just based on our technology. So we, we actually built the development platform on top of Salesforce. And it was, and there's kind of a, there's several reasons, three reasons primary that we, that we did that. 
one, we can develop faster. So if there are some things that lenders want that we don't have today, we can quickly put them in place. Secondly, really, and first and foremost, you don't get through the first gate if you aren't able to address data security, right, for a lender. And so Salesforce definitely checks the box, right? Even from, from folks that are on the operational side, they go to their technology side and they said, okay, tell us a little bit about what this solution is from LCT that, that you want us to consider. And they say, well, it's built on Salesforce. Generally gives them a very, very good uh, feeling in terms of comfort. Just because Salesforce is 800 pound gorilla, everyone knows them. They know that the use security is first and foremost in, in their world. And so it also will lend itself to reducing the time that we go through with vendor management. That's basically what we've seen just because they have a lot of familiarity with it, right? right? So back to the new technology associated with implementation and Salesforce for us and why we can, why we can turn this into a, a, such an efficient process is the way it works. And it's, it's, it's the first time I saw this, you know, I was just mesmerized by it because a lot of the institutions, both small and large, will already have had some sort of Salesforce organization in place called Salesforce Board, um, which means you just have an instance of Salesforce. If you yeah. don't, even if you don't, it's very easy to go to the Salesforce portal and sign up. And then we will facilitate a, a session with the Salesforce folks. And it's by and large very easy to go through that process. Um, it's, it's been vetted a million times, right? And so to, to set up that org is easy and, and it's very quickly, quickly done. And then what happens is we are an application on Salesforce App Exchange. So similar to Apple Store, where you're going to, you, you got on your iPhone and you want a new app. It's very, very similar. You, because you're a sales, you have a Salesforce board, you simply go in to the app exchange, you hit search for lender compliance technologies. You can actually, at that point in time, download our entire production platform with a few clicks. It takes no more than 10 minutes. That's really smart deployment. It, it really is. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant, brilliant execution in terms of implementation. There are a couple of things that, that uh, um, are, can be a little more difficult, but really not, not in the scheme of things. We'll need the file that you referred to, right? I need, the, I need what yeah. we call the seed file. Give us what comes generally out of your servicing platform. The, <coughs> file, the data points that we need are about 16 columns. We need the, we don't even need, we need a name. We don't even need the first name, the last name of the client. We need to know about the product, right? And, and, and generally we need a unique identifier with the, with the associated with the loan account, but doesn't have to be the loan account. So very PII light. And really that seeds the process and starts the cancellation process. We have, we create an output once we're done, if, if, Consumer wants, or sorry, the lender wants us to obtain the refund quotes to get verification. We will do that through our service bureau. We'll update the platform. And ultimately, you'll go through a queue staging process, the workflow that I described. And what happens is we create, once it's finalized, we send you a, a, a file formatted in the file that you're looking for. 
The only delta is how you want to input the payments that you're receiving, whether you can do that manually in our system or whether you could just send us a file and we can do that in an automated fashion. So in terms of that implementation, that execution, yeah, it's, it, it truly is simple, right? It, 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 and, and I'm always, I shudder to use the word easy or simplicity, right? But, right. but in this case, the new technology really has driven a, a different method to, to be able to, to implement. So tactically speaking, when I'm doing that commerce, you mentioned a couple parties involved, right? So you'd have the lender that's kind of the head of the process. They're the one that's driving it to make sure that they're following up on their obligation to the consumer. That's so the right. consumer's involved as well. Then we also have the dealer. That's right. Now I was going to do something with a service contract that I had on one of my motorcycles. And I call, I have it financed through Harley Davidson automotive or Harley Davidson consumer credit, whatever I called them. They said, no, 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 don't even talk to us. We don't do anything with it. You have to go back to the dealership. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Are you just doing that? Cause you're getting me back into the shop. Cause you know, I'm about to trade out or I'm going to do something. So it kind of pushes the vault, you know, the sales lead to them. Like I couldn't, I couldn't think of a good reason at the time, but as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, well, no, dumb, dumb, like meaning me, if I had ridden the motorcycle 8,000 miles and I've already gone through two service, you know, pieces and I've only entitled up to, you know, my 30,000 mile service, I've, I've utilized, you know, maybe more than what they would have assumed. And that has to be verified. Help me understand like the communication process, how there's the initial notification and then how is the money actually sent back to the consumer? Yeah. So it, so if it's not associated with an early payoff, generally you are going to be sent to the dealer for those. If you want to cancel something just on a voluntary basis, right? Is that driven like, by the, is that driven by the service providers and the, the contract that they've written? Well, it, by the lenders. Remember in, in, in the case of an early term, early payoff that, and there's gap associated, there is gap associated with that loan itself, right? So yeah. if, if the loan is paid off, there is no need for gap at that point. And therefore the lender is generally incumbent upon the lender to ensure that the consumer is made whole. If it's if it's a total loss, a repossession or a charge off, right? Then, then it's also incumbent upon the lender to ensure that those rebated, unearned rebate amounts have been applied against those deficiencies. Okay. Right? So and I can apply it against a deficiency. I don't have to just straight up cut that check. Like if they owe me 8,000 bucks and I see I can recover a thousand, I can post good. that against their deficiency. That's exactly right. Well, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, it certainly is. And then, you know, it's whether or not it's a, it's, you know, it's a deficiency or whether it's an early payoff, the consumer is due whole for everything that that needs to be applied against their account. And that and, so, and that and that that transaction where I'm I'm the lender and I'm making them whole, that's all between me and the consumer. Or is that managed on your platform? Like we manage the actual the actual cash remittance. So we don't collect the payments. We are a system of record. We're a software application to orchestrate that. What will happen is we will send those cancellations to the dealer and the provider. They will respond, send the money to the lenders in this particular case, and then apply against the customer's account. Got it. Okay. So so they're remitting, they're remitting the the rebatable to the lender, and then the lender is going to then satisfy that back to the consumer 
Sometimes the consumer may have a deficiency balance that it needs to go against, and the lender exactly. wants to control that. Exactly. You're not going to get that money back if you send it directly to the consumer. Right. In a lot of, in a lot exactly of cases, right. I would say, yeah, exactly right. And and we have ancillary products too. So you know, if if um, it's kind of a look back or a bulk where you you know you haven't kept up right to cancel these things, we will have lenders that'll send us you know, hundreds or thousands of accounts where we can go ahead and, and cancel those to ensure that now those accounts comply. And so we we offer that product as well. We also offer verification. So some lenders want to ensure that, hey, I have I've made a loan that the loan documentation uh, indicates that there's products on here. I want to verify those. It sounds to me like Glenn, like so so there is a risk. There's obviously some some interest on the part of the regulators to kind of drill into this. Is there anything that really needs to be done from a education standpoint through to the regulators? Like, do they get it? I, I'm thinking of the the MLA. MLA right. has rendered because of the way that they do the calculation on the rate cap. They've rendered it that many of our military brothers and sisters are just not entitled to purchase and finance these types of aftermarket products. I don't think that's what they were thinking. I don't think that that was their intent, but this is how it all panned out. And it has a chilling effect, I think, on a lot of people who would get a lot of benefit from these products. So is, how do you, do you get a sense from the regulatory standpoint, how the regulators or the legislators are looking at this and are they looking at it in the right way? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could argue where that responsibility lies, right? You know, the the dealers have written the products. But unfortunately, you know, as a lender, it, it does lie with them in terms of the responsibilities from a regulatory standpoint. You know, the regulators just want to ensure that the consumer are, are made whole. Made right? whole. They need yeah. to be made whole. And so that's their perspective on this. How can we be involved in this? So we're new technology, right? We've gone to the market. We're in production. We, we feel like it puts lenders in a, in a very strong position because of the tracking and monitoring that they keep referring yeah. to. So, you know, we believe that it, it'll become prevalent and, and, you know, sort of have a quasi endorsement because I think as the regulators come through and they, they perform their examinations, they're going to see, okay, there is a strong process, a strong structured process in place to address the ensuring that the consumers are made whole. That's what we believe is our, you know, our value proposition to the industry. This is great. And I think it's great for consumers because I don't know if everybody remembers the old days, Glenn, do you remember the old, old days you'd go to uh, Pet Boys or, or True Auto or something and they say, oh, well, you, you can get this thing for like 50%. Oh, that's great. 50%. That sounds great. Well, no, here's this thing. You got to send in your receipt with this uh, rebate form. And then you you bring it home. If you remember to get it mailed and you lick the stamp and you do all back when you had the lick a stamp, right? God, I'm dating myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, And then you forget about it. And And I think, I don't even know if many of these warranties are even like Sorry, it's going to take six to eight, Glenn, it doesn't take six to eight weeks for you to open a piece of mail and give me my refund. Come on. Like, it's just a totally different world. So I I do like having a lot more control and the transparency to the process has to count for something to some regulator or some consumer advocate, right? To say, not only are they saying what they're doing, but they have a third-party vendor that's managing this for them. Glenn, you got no dog in the fight. Like you don't care. 
I mean, if your lenders are great or if they're not great with their remittances, I mean, it's, it's not your responsibility, but you're trying to give them the best opportunity to, to, to have a nice flow, a nice process. That's very compliant and, and, and good. Yeah. And we are, and, and, you know, uh, uh, hitting this on several fronts, one of which we really haven't touched upon is we're working with the providers to automate the process to obtaining okay. those refund quotes. So as it stands today, about 15% or so are done through APIs, which means, you know, we mm-hmm. can ping them, we get a response back to them with all the information regarding the refund quote amount. But we also run the gamut because there's 600 different providers and that's why we have a service bureau. We may have to reach out to them to call. We might have to send them a file that we batch and send to them, or we may even have to go to their portal to obtain those refund quotes. But it's important yeah. to verify those because when you're in front of a regulator, what are they going to ask? Well, how do you know that's the right amount that's being applied to the consumer? Yeah. And if, and if you don't go out and, and verify that, you'll never know the answer to that. Yeah. And so... So that's why we have a service bureau. We support all of those different methods to, to obtain those quotes. Yeah. And it's great that you have that because it, not in all cases will you be able to get necessarily a hold of the consumer, right? In the in the event of a repossession or something, they your, right. your, your, your call is probably the last one they want to answer. But it's unfortunate because if it was a call that they would answer, then they would find out that that deficiency is going to come down because they've gotten some rebatables that are coming back. Yeah. And again, you know, I, 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 Joel, I just, I, I would, I would tell your audience that, you know, whether or not it's with, you know, LCT, I, I would highly recommend all the lenders make sure you've got your buttoned up and you've got a strong process in place because that's what the regulatory agencies are, are looking for us to do with lenders. I hear you. Well, this is great, Glenn. Uh, cool. Once again, everybody, this is uh, Glenn Monroe. He's the president and co-founder of Lender Compliance Technologies. I hope to see more and more cool technologies. And this one has a very solid use case. It's protective and timely. I was asked the other day for the National Automotive Finance Association, what do we see as, as kind of the biggest risk for the year? And I just said compliance. You're right. Because it is. It's, it, the compliance is hitting us on so many levels. It's, it's, the CFPB has unfortunately been politicized as an organization. Can't put blame on either party of that. You put it to the the political process. It's it's unfortunate, but it is. But this is something that is just straight up consumer protection. I think just by having this as a lender, it shows a level of diligence and it shows a level of competency that I would say, you know, you just, it may be a rubber stampy thing where they're like, oh, you got that and it's running. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. But Glenn, thank you so much for being on and love to have you back on and hear how Things continue to proceed. We talked a little bit before we recorded the pod. He has a, a very cool board of directors and board of advisors that, that uh, man, can't, can't help but win with, with names like that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're blessed with, with who we refer to as our family members. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great ride for us, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time to, to listen to me and, and about our company. Appreciate that. Absolutely. So for our listeners, Glenn, just in, in the closing comment here, if folks want to get a hold of you or get a hold of, of uh, somebody to, to learn some more, what's the best ways for them to, to connect? Yeah, definitely. Please email me directly. So it's G-M-U-N-R-O at, and it's very easy, at lct1.com. L-C-T, the number one.com. That's exactly right. Okay. Glenn, thanks so much. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Take care. 
The Consumer Five podcast has been brought to you by Nortridge, loan software that accelerates change. We'd also like to thank the National Automotive Finance Association, the only trade association exclusively serving the non-prime auto financing industry.